First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. I have a, like an advice to our brothers and sisters, so please value those goods that you have. But in these kind of situations, you understand that all that we have, it is only by God's grace. Happy New Year to all of our first-person listeners. Welcome to our final program of 2022. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we'll take a brief look back at just a few of the many interviews we did over the past year. Coming up, you'll hear some of our conversations that took place with friends in Ukraine. Then in the second half of this edition, we'll re-air a portion of my conversation with actor and producer Max McLean. But let me take a moment to say thank you for listening. We appreciate you tuning in or downloading the podcast version of First Person each week. A special word of thanks, of course, to the Far East Broadcasting Company for helping to support this program. Please tell FEBC of your gratitude by visiting febc.org and learning the latest of what God is doing through this ministry. We begin our highlights by returning to the early days of the Russian attack on Ukraine. Later, you'll hear some of what I recorded on a trip to Ukraine in May of 2022, but we begin with hearing from Pastor Sergei Nikul, who chose to stay in his church in Kiev all throughout the war. Well, I am pastor of a Reformed uh, Church in Kiev, Ukraine, and currently we're in the middle of a uh, war zone. So uh, just recently, uh, during our worship service that we held with seven of our church members who are hiding here in our church uh, uh, basement as a bump shelter. Uh, we hear uh, explosions. It is relatively not far away from us. This is Bravary City. So uh, greetings to all of our brothers and sisters uh, from uh, Kiev, Ukraine, war zone. Mm. We have been following you online. It's amazing that God has kept these channels open so that we can speak and that you can uh, share with us the videos you've been sharing with the world Talk to me about being a pastor under these circumstances, uh, Pastor. What is that like for you? Well, uh, first of all, I'm thankful to the Lord that uh, in these kind of circumstances, my faith is becoming more stronger and stronger. And this is just a, a supernatural feeling. Uh, I cannot even express it by my own words how in this a situation when you don't know uh, who'll be next, who'll be uh, dead next, because it's like a lottery. You know, so you, you don't know where a uh, rocket will hit somebody. So in these situations, you just understand this principle of Emmanuel. God is with us. Hmm. So this is unbelievable. And uh, I cannot tell you exactly what is what pastor means in this situation for me, but I'm sure that I know much better what means uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. You see, uh, uh, this is unbelievable, brother. This is unexpressible. You you just feeling in your skin, in your inside of your being that Lord is with you, and you just uh, living out Psalm twenty three. Especially when I go in the shadow of the valley of death, I will not fear evil because you are with me mm. so this is unbelievable so when i know this uh then i become pastor for other uh, people when i know that 
Lord is my shepherd, then I could shepherd to other people and say to them, I am guys with you. I will not leave you. And this is unexpressible joy of serving my Lord. What an amazing example you are of uh, God's grace and strength in the midst of turmoil there. Uh, there are people in your church who are basically living there, right, as a bomb shelter? Yes, tell, right. Tell, right. tell mm-hmm. me what the circumstances are. And then I want to talk about your family as well that have evacuated. But tell me about who's in the church. Yes, uh, we have uh, several families here and now who came in order to worship our Lord because this is so important for them. And they uh, they told me that, Pastor Sergei, we are just striving for spiritual food. We cannot just be alone somewhere. We have to come to church, even in spite of danger that can uh, await us at every corner. So, uh, for example, we have one family, father, mother, and two children. Uh, we were able to evacuate their children, but they decided to stay here with me in uh, in our church in order to help people with different kind of uh, food packages and, and so on. Yeah, and to help our soldiers who need uh, different kind of uh, stuff. So they decided to come to church in order to find here the bomb shelter because uh, they live in Traeshina uh, district. So this is big district that consists of uh, high-story buildings, apartment buildings. And uh, in the beginning of war, battle was going on uh, nearby their district because uh, they are nearby uh, airport, and that airport was bombarded by Russians. Uh, so it was uh, pretty dangerous for them. They decided to run away and hide in the um, subway system as a bomb shell. And they spent night there, but they, under, they, they understood that subway system isn't uh, very comfortable and good for them. And they thought, wow, but pastor told us that we need to come to church. Why haven't we uh, went to church? So they decided we, we have to run to our church. So this is uh, how they are in our church right now. Yeah. Yaroslav, Yaroslav and Natasha. Do you have food and water? Uh, yes, we have uh, food and water. We do not have a lot of products in our supermarkets. Probably 65% of uh, our food uh, products had disappeared from our shelves. But praise to the Lord, uh, we have the most essential food. We have bread every morning. And now, uh, you know, brother, when, when we pray and we pray today Lord's Prayer, and especially that petition, give us our daily bread, <laughs> that's completely different feelings but we're praising our Lord that uh, he's our spiritual food and uh, our bread and now we understand more clearly what our Lord told us quote in Deuteronomy when he was saying that man shall not live by uh, bread alone but every word that proceeds from the precious mouth of God. So this is unexpressibly precious right now. And uh, now we understand this more clearly. So uh, I have a, like an advice to our brothers and sisters. So please value those goods that you have. And because oftentimes we just treat them as uh, something for granted, Yeah. But in this kind of situations, you understand that all that we have, it is only by God's grace. Pastor Sergei Nakul, who has never left his church in Kyiv all this year. In May, I traveled to Ukraine with Sergei Rakuba of Mission Eurasia. 
I've come to the city of Mukashava in Ukraine, and we've come to a home that is the uh, place where a number of Mennonite brethren from Zaporozhye and the surrounding area in Ukraine have come. They have found refuge in this home a long way from their home. And I'm speaking with Andrew, a young man here. Is uh, How far are we from your home, Andrew? Uh, I think we are uh, a thousand and a half kilometers from okay. my home. All right. I know your home is really a divka. Yeah. But you've been studying at the university in Zaporozhye. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But you had to leave your home. Just today, you found out what happened to your home. Tell me what happened. Yeah, just uh, yesterday, uh, my house uh, was uh, hit by a missile, by a Russian missile. And uh, it's it was only today that I saw the picture of the destruction. That has to be a hard experience to see that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And who took the pictures? Do you have family there? I have uh, my uh, grandfather uh, in Avdiivka, but my uh, grandmother and my mother, they left for Lithuania. Okay. So you have come here to this city some 1,000, 1,200 kilometers from your yeah. home. What, what, are you, what are you doing while you're here? Uh, here we are uh, engaged in packaging um, uh, packages I care for people in uh, affected regions and these are food packages yeah so you are working on behalf of the victims of this war even though you yeah. are a victim of this war yeah so what is the process like are you, you're packing boxes of Mission Eurasia food yeah yeah and what tell me what's in the box just um, generally generally we have uh, in the, what we have in the box is um, uh Rice, uh, sun, sunflower oil, flour, some um, canned food, uh, so yeah. just some goods this, so that people can uh, uh, last for some time yeah. uh, in the shelter or where, wherever, wherever they are. They yeah. are. Yeah. And the pastor standing next to you in another conversation over there is one of the men who's actually taking these trucks full of food boxes and driving them yeah. into yeah. Ukraine past all yeah. the checkpoints. And finding people in need. Uh, he, he was talking to us about that. Do you remember what he said? Uh, he's one uh, of the uh, of those who drive the packages to uh, the dangerous re- the dangerous regions uh, at his own risk. Actually, yes, yes, he does. Yeah, passing all the checkpoints and uh, you know speaking to even to Russian military so that he can pass through. Yeah, to get this food to people. Yeah, he delivers them to churches that are still uh, in existence there, even yeah. to basements that Mission Eurasia has equipped so people can live in these basements. He yeah. he finds these basements and, and drops off these food yeah. packages. Yeah, and uh, we even have uh, some people who uh, still live there in uh, uh, regions close to the front line and... Uh, these are people who uh, used to go to these churches as a, as, a congre- as, a, as a congregation, but now they lead the churches. Yeah. Well, on a happier note, in the midst of the war, you've come here as a young single man, but what happened after you got here? Yeah, uh, amidst all the chaos, all the panic, uh, and uh, without uh, even uh, knowing what's, uh, what tomorrow is going to bring, 
uh, I made the decision to propose to my uh, girlfriend, uh, who is now my fiance. So she said yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it brought a smile to our face when you told us that story. Yeah. What is her name? Uh, her name is uh, Victoria. Okay, and you knew each other before you came here? Yeah, we've known each other. We had known each other for um, two years. Okay. But it took this experience to uh, kind of push you towards popping yeah. the question, huh? I think uh, <laughs> if it hadn't been for the war, um, who knows what might have happened. Yeah. Well, you have a great future ahead of you. Both of you do. Yeah. And we wish God's best for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you and so much. It's a, it's a great story in the midst of all this chaos of yeah. war. So, we Just pray that uh, God would bring peace to Ukraine and to all the people. So and uh, for their people to come to the Lord with their hearts open to hear what he wants to say to them. An amazing young man in Ukraine, one of many courageous people I met on that trip. We'll continue. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. You're listening to First Person and a few of the highlights we've chosen to replay on this final program of 2022. We'll hear from Max McLean in a moment, but let's return to that trip in Ukraine that happened back in the month of May. Well, we've driven through Moldova and come into Ukraine. I'm with Sergei Rakuba of Mission Eurasia. We've come to Chernivtsi, the city where so many refugees have come. We are in the far western part of Ukraine, which is on the border with Romania, actually, Sergei. Yep. We are at the corner, Romania, uh, Moldova, and uh, southwest uh, corner in Ukraine, considered as one of the most safest uh, uh, regions in entire nation now. We're in a warehouse, you know, Mission Eurasia, uh, working with a group of local churches here. We rent the space, and that's where we deliver uh, lots of, uh, I mean, truckloads of food. And as you see, volunteers, they come here day long, you know, especially evening hours. They come to help to pack these food packages. And then they load it, and you've seen those uh, uh, box trucks, you know, mm -hmm. out there, vans. They load it, and volunteers, again, drive it all west, you know, where the biggest yeah. uh, the, the, uh, uh, need is, you know, where refugees are finding their place for their refuge. And all of this has been provided by donors, even the box trucks where the money was donated yes. to buy these trucks that so we had some some means of taking this food into Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, as you see, it's all supported by generosity of uh, people in the United States, Canada. Locals are giving, donating a lot of their time, uh, you know, which is, you know, their energy, that's a huge resource in all of this. Right. But those food trucks or those box trucks, you know, that deliver food, as you've seen, uh, we uh, requested uh, and we needed to buy six, but we did not know that we could use 12. <laughs> so we have 12 of those uh, uh, box trucks with iCare, Mission Eurasia, 
iCare uh, project logo on it, you know, run on the roads of Ukraine and Moldova, some in Poland, that every day, you know, loaded with food, you know, they deliver to places where people are in the most need. So thank this you all. This is amazing. This is thank just you all, amazing. Wayne. Yeah. I just want to take this moment yeah. to thank those people that without their generosity, without their faithful generosity, this operation that, as you see, it's just 24-7, you know, people put so much effort on to help those who are in need would not happen. And that need is even more urgent now. Go to missioneurasia.org. Let's turn to Panamanian-born Max McLean, who talked with us in October on First Person. My mom was single. She met an American soldier in the Canal Zone. Okay. And uh, when I was four years old, he married my mom and brought he and myself uh, by boat from uh, Panama uh, to the uh, uh, New York Harbor, stat- past the Statue of Liberty. We docked on at the West Side Passenger Terminal on West 48th Street in New York City, which for is about uh, a ten minute walk from uh, the offices of Fellowship for Performing Arts. Uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, first thing I had to do was master the English language, and I've been working on it ever since. See, I did not know that. That's remarkable. So, just a few blocks from where the fellowship was formed, that's uh, yeah, that's where you yeah. landed. Wow, what a story! <laughs> do, do I understand that you're? I mean, we know you now as uh, as a stage presence with and um, film. Uh, mm-hmm. with the most reluctant convert. But d- did it start with voice work for you, Max? No, it started on stage. Did it? Uh, yeah, I, I started acting in uh, my, uh, my senior year of college, primarily to get over a fear of uh, being in front of people. Hmm. Uh, and so I went the weird part of campus and took an oral interpretation class <laughs> and the bug bit and uh, spent my whole senior year in the in the theater department, learning how to use my voice, how to take movement classes, interpret scripts. I went to drama school in London. Hmm. Uh, And so my first passion was the stage. Uh, And then uh, I got involved in a really good church in New Jersey when we came back from uh, England. Uh, I was uh, doing a lot of auditioning in New York, and we found a good church in New Jersey, a Christian Missionary Alliance Church. And they uh, invited me to read scripture uh, for their Sunday morning worship service. And uh, I remember the very first time I did it, I think it was First uh, Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Oh. <laughs> and I... Uh, Dramatic, huh? I w- yeah, really. <laughs> and I got so much uh, affirmation from that reading. And uh, so uh, one of the members recommended that I... Uh, record uh i think the book of philippians and uh, and what the first thing that did was encourage me to memorize mark's gospel mm. and then shortly thereafter that i i recorded the uh new testament then the bible and then since then i've recorded the bible five on five different occasions right uh, i would say more people know my voice than anything else uh specifically from those Bible narrations. Yeah, I was going to say that that's where we became uh, widely familiar with you and the way God has gifted you, Max. Uh, there's a lesson there, I think, for churches to develop young people in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. I also was invited to read Scripture in a church service, uh, actually a Easter cantata, 
It was Isaiah mm-hmm. 53 that I was asked to read. My voice had mm-hmm. recently changed, of course, and uh, that was the thing that really got me started as well. So isn't that interesting? I think we need to give young people opportunities. Yes, and, and also, you know, it's faith comes by hearing the message. There's something about when you really express the Word of God and, uh, you know, with a, with a sense of understanding and, and commitment and passion that uh, it speaks to people in a different way, a deeper way. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, in Mere Christianity says explanations about the gospel are not the gospel. They're the explanations <laughs> of the gospel. Yeah. And uh, he says if the, if the explanations help you, all the better. If they don't, find another explanation. But the gospel is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so in a certain sense, if you're, uh, if you're uh, really understand it and really invested in it, and you tell that story, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's another way of making it alive for people. Boy, people really need the scriptures to come alive to them. You know, sometimes you get some really dry spells and, uh, you need some other avenues that will wake up that dormant spirit. Hmm. Yeah. And that's one way. You mentioned Lewis. I witnessed a Q&A session recently, and one of the audience members asked you, when did you first encounter Lewis? And I thought the answer yeah. was quite interesting. Can you, you remember that answer? Yeah, well, I was I was a, an adult convert to Christ, and and uh, my uh, girlfriend, who became my wife, gave me a copy of, of uh, Surprised by Joy, Lewis's memoir. Uh, you know, he was a adult convert and mm-hmm. and that was his uh his explanation of his uh, you know uh, recounting of his conversion story which in his case took over a decade many years uh and he kind of travailed all the nooks and crannies of of the things he was dealing with all the philosophies all his hang-ups and doubts uh and uh, i knew i was dealing with a with a an incredible mind, but it kind of went by me like a freight train. Um, and so she said, well, try this one. And so it was a screw tape letters. And I remember, man, I said, Oh, I know this guy. Uh, and I remember the very first, uh, letter of the screw tape letters. It's when, uh, screw tape is, uh, is kind of bragging about his exploits and how good he is at his job in the very first letter. And he, he, he tries to explain, a. Uh, about an incident of a man reading a uh, an important spiritual book could be a Bible, could be a book of of theology, it could be a book of devotion. Who knows? But he doesn't say. But he said uh, he was in the British Museum reading this book, and he was engaged in the book. And Screw Tape says, "I saw twenty years' work go right down the drain, beginning to totter." And uh, and he says, "But I knew exactly where I, what I needed to do." So I whispered in his ear. Isn't it just about time for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> and got him out of that moment. Yeah. And I go, what that book did, it just showed me I was dealing with this incredibly imaginative mind. Mm-hmm. And he and that book, uh, Screw Tape Letters, uh, really introduced me to spiritual warfare in a way that perhaps I wouldn't have really quite understood yeah. if uh, without reading it. The full interview with Max McLean can be heard when you go to firstpersoninterview.com. Click the Listen button and scroll back to October 6 in the list of interviews. 
Thank you for joining us for these year-end first-person highlights. Of course, any of our past interviews over many years are all available in their entirety at firstpersoninterview.com or by using the free First Person Interview smartphone app. As we end 2022, I'm so grateful for the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. I serve as a volunteer board member and radio host for FEBC and could not recommend a ministry to you more highly. To learn more about this international gospel broadcast organization and its unique ways of reaching the world with the truth, please visit febc.org. Now one last time for the year, and with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.